Well, good morning, folks, and uh, welcome to Lavington Baptist Church. Good to see you all here this morning. Good to see some visitors with us. Uh, but uh, without any further ado, thank you for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we're going to just bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on His Word. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again, we give thee thanks for this Lord's Day, but we thank thee for the special significance of it in that uh, we celebrate Easter. And Father, we know that many would come at Easter time to a service like this, or perhaps even listen in to the uh, live uh, broadcast. And so we do pray, Lord, as your word goes out, that man would be hid behind the cross, that no man might be seen, save Jesus only, and may his word be a blessing to each and every one. Father, I do pray that if there should be one that does not know thee as Lord and Savior, that even today they might think about these things. We realize that time is short, and we ask, Lord, that men and women might respond to the preaching of thy word. Father, and I just bless thy word to our hearts. We would ask it all in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Today I want to uh, bring a study to you. Uh, which I consider to be a very solemn study indeed. It will take us back to just before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will take us to that sham trial our Lord endured the night before his death on Calvary. It was a time when the Lord allowed men to have their way with him. Folks, it will take both services to complete uh, this meditation, so I pray that you will come back this evening to uh, get the conclusion, if you would. Uh, we are blessing to see each and every one of you. I couldn't do it justice uh, trying to rush it through in one meeting. Our meditation today will be on our Lord Jesus Christ, but more particularly on the crown of thorns that he wore. He wore this crown of thorns, when he suffered during those last hours of his life, just prior to his death. Now just before we enter into the common hall of Pilate, the Roman governor, and see the depths of shame and the humiliation of being singing about that, the humiliation that our Lord went through and the suffering he bore, I want us to pause for just a moment uh, and just think of the one who's going to be put to shame. First of all, I want us to contemplate his person. Secondly, let us consider his power. Let us, as Pilate said, behold the man. That word behold means to gaze upon him, to give our attention to him, and especially at this Easter time, may we give attention to the things our Lord went through for us. Who is this person that has said it not? Who is this one of whom Pilate said, I find no fault in him? Who is this prisoner who has been subjected to the, the shame, the ignominy? the scourging, the beating, the mocking, the humiliation? Who is this person that was in agony just the night before as he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in the garden of prayer? 
Well, of course, we know he is the Lord Jesus Christ. We know he is God in the flesh. We know he is God Almighty. We call him deity. Going through all this for you and for me. This is the one of whom Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. This is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want us to remember the excellency of his person. I want us to remember the glory of his majesty. This is God's eternal son in the hands of cruel men. This is God's eternal son in the hands of his own creation. This is the one to whom God addressed and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one whom angels worship and cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This is the one of whom the Father said, let all the angels of God worship him. He is prophet. He is priest. He is king. And on top of all that that he suffered, he is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament types. And we haven't got time to go into all those. I'll just name but a few. In Genesis 22, whenever Abraham and Isaac was going up the mount, Isaac asked his father a question. says, behold the fire, behold the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. John the Baptist in John 1 uh, verse 29 says, when he pointed to Christ, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 1,870 years after the question was addressed by Isaac, Where's the Lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a Lamb. John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In Numbers 19 and verse 2, it speaks about the red heifer being without spot and without blemish. It's a perfect type of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord fulfilled all these types. In Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows. They pierced his hands and his feet. In Psalm 22, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Daniel chapter 9, it speaks of Messiah the priest prince that will come all these are types of the lord jesus christ and folks this is the messiah this is the one i want us to fix our gaze upon this morning this is the one with 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 his omnipotence uh, could have condemned them all to an early grave this is the one we're going to study today the one who bore and wore The crown of thorns. The one who was so cruelly treated. The one who had that crown of thorns pressed into his brow. That was for us. For you. And for me. There are seven things I want to bring out today in relation to the crown of thorns. Now we'll only deal with three of them this morning. We'll be looking at 
the material of the crime. We'll be looking at the making of the crime. We'll be looking at the misery of the crime. Then later tonight we'll look at the mockery of the crime. Then we'll look at the meaning of the crime, the mystery of the crime, and the message of the crime. But just three of these things this morning and the other four this evening. So the first thing we're going to look at is the material of the crime. Very simple, isn't it? The material of the crime. What was this crime made from? Now, if I was to go around some of the younger ones in the Sunday school, they would be able to tell us what this crime was made from. What was this crime? Was it a gold crime? Definitely not. Was it a beautiful silver crime that would gleam in the sunlight? Definitely not. Maybe it was some sort of an inferior metal crime. After all, kings and queens get crowned with beautiful crowns. Princes and princesses are crowned with the most expensive golden crowns decked out with precious jewels and so forth. What was this crown adorned by Christ made from? What sort of material was used to make this crown? You know, the crown jewels in the Tower of London are said to be priceless. They're worth millions. The pink star diamond that was found in 1999 is worth 83 million US dollars. That's about 120, Australia, 120 million Australian dollars. But no pink diamond for our Lord. No. Not for this crime. This crime was made from the cheapest of materials. It was a thorny bush. No gold, no silver, no diamonds, no rubies, no emeralds. Just made from thorns. Now let us remember or be reminded that when the world was first made, there was not a thorn on any plant. There was not a thorn on any flower. There was not a seed of a thorn in any part of the ground. Thorns were not part of the perfect earth, the perfect world, which God called very good. In Genesis 1.10, God saw it, it was good. 1.12, God saw it, it was good. 1.18, God saw it, it was good. Verse 21-25, God saw it, it was good. And in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The perfect creation was very good in God's eyes. The roses bloomed without a thorn, praise God. The berries of the field brought forth their fruit without a thorn. There was no thorns, no thistles anywhere in creation. It was a perfect world. It was a thornless world. Thorns came as a result of sin. When man fell, when man sinned in the garden, the result was that it brought forth thorns and thistles. It brought forth sin upon human beings. We need to remember this. When man sinned, sin was brought forth the curse, which brings in the origin of the thorn. And folks, 
to my knowledge, the thorn is always used in the negative sense in Scripture. Negative sense. Because part of the curse. 51 times thorns are mentioned in the Bible. Again, I'll just give you a couple of these or a few of these just to make you think. And then you can go home and check out all the rest. Just a few examples. In Numbers 33 and verse 55 it says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, they shall become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides. And of course there's a lot of meaning behind these verses. But we haven't got time to go into all the meaning of all the verses. But folks, enough to say is, if you want to enjoy the inheritance that God has given you, like God brought his people into a land flowing with milk and honey, but they had to drive out the inhabitants, and if they don't, they were going to be thorns in their sides. Whenever we get saved, if we want to enjoy our inheritance, you need to drive out the old inhabitants. You need to die to self. You need to deal with the flesh. You need to deny the world. Folks, we have been saved into a wonderful family, into God's family. And God demands that we deal with the flesh and the things that we used to do. I used to sing a little chorus in Camp Pastor Kevin. The things I used to do, I don't do anymore. And that's a very true little song. Hopefully when you get saved, you leave the world behind, you leave the flesh behind, you deal with the things of the devil and the temptations of life, and you don't do them anymore. You get on with what God wants you to do. That's Numbers 33. We'll not go into them all, but Jeremiah 12, 13 says, They have sown wheat and have reaped thorns. Hosea chapter 9 and verse 6, Thorns shall be in their tabernacles or their tents. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the feed, the seed fell among thorns. Proverbs 15 and 19, the way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns. Isaiah 33, 12, the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. And even Paul the apostle himself had a thorn in the flesh. Something that hindered him. Something that kept him back from doing what he would want to do efficiently. Most people believe that that could possibly be his eyesight. But there you go, he had a thorn in the flesh. So the thorn is used in a negative way all through Scripture. Okay, back into Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse 29, I'll read. And when they had plotted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The soldiers, and there were many, would have no trouble getting these branches of thorns. There are at least 25 known thorn bushes in Israel, 25 known varieties of thorn bushes. Some of them would grow up to six inches long. And for you younger people, that's 150 millimeter, okay? This is the material of the crown. Thorns, and thorns came as a result of sin. The second thing I want to point out is the making of the crown. And when they had plotted, 
a crown of thorns. This crown of thorns was made by man's hands. They, if you go down through these verses, the word they, which associates the soldiers to the plot, they, the soldiers, are mentioned 16 times. Verse 28, they stripped him. Verse 29, they had plaited a crown of thorns. They put it upon his head. They bowed the knee. Verse 30, they spit upon him. Verse 31, they had mocked him. They took the robe from him. They came out 16 times down through these verses. They are mentioned. They were united in the making of this crown. They, 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 they worked together as one. They had one thought in mind. They had one objective, folks. They had one goal to complete. Let's make a crown of thorns. Let's make a crown of thorns and let's crown this pitiful person before us with the crown. And folks, what they purposed in their heart, they completed but praise God, the one they crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. Amen? The one they crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he will return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now according to the book of Manners and Customs of the Day, it would be almost impossible to make this crown and intertwine these branches without pricking your fingers, your hands, or your arms in some way, without scratching yourself. Blood would be shed. Try to get four or five branches of thorns with big thorns on it and try to bend it into a shape that would make a crown of thorns. Blood would be shed. And in doing this, their blood would be identified with the curse on the thorns. Thorns came forth as part of the curse. And so their blood would be identified with the curse. But then, when the thorns are pressed into the brow of our Lord, his blood that was shed for us would cover the blood of the man whose blood was on the thorn. Brought about by the curse as a result of man's sin. This is a picture of the covering. This is a picture of the covering in action. Man's blood is shed as a result of the curse. In the day that thy sinnest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The thorn was brought forth, and Christ's blood is shed to provide a covering. And folks, if you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, when God looks down, he sees you outside of Christ and you will suffer eternal punishment if you happen to go through the veil of death in that state. But if you are a believer, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you are covered with the imputed righteousness of Christ. And when he looks down upon you, he sees his Son in you. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we're immediately covered with the imputed righteousness of Christ. 
So there's no excuse for anyone today to go out through these doors and be unsaved. It's not as if you have to wait for a week or a month or a fortnight or whatever the case might be. You will be immediately saved. Repent of your sin. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior and you will be immediately covered with the imputed righteousness of sin. You see, the, the curse of sin is dealt with. God the Father looks down and no longer sees us in our sin, but sees us in Christ. God's Son, who died for us, shed his blood, that we might come into the family, sons of God, joint heirs with Christ. I cannot understand that I believe it, but it's hard to understand how that I could be a son of God and a joint heir with Christ. The, the one who brought this creation into being by just the words of his mouth. And yet we will be joint heirs with Christ. What a blessing. Romans 8 verse 17. So the material of the crime and the making of the crime. The third thing we want to look at is the misery of the crime. Now, folks, we need to give our attention to this. Verse 29 says, They put it upon his head. The material is gathered. The crown is made. The Lord Jesus is sat before them. They, the soldiers, strip him. Humiliate him. And they mock him. Folks, this is our Savior. This is the one who died for us. And he's, he's in the hands of cruel men who humiliate him. He is the creator of everything seen and unseen. He is God eternal. The soldiers strip him, humiliate him. And they mock him. The holy, sinless, pure Son of God in the hands of cruel men. After the mocking, they scourged him. And folks, the scourging in the New Testament was nothing to be laughed at. They would take a person and they would bind them to uh, perhaps a marble pillar. And the back would be absolutely torqued, very, very tight, the skin. And they would get a cat of nine tails and put that cat of nine tails and lash it right into the back. And then they would rip off the skin. And we're not going into too much detail because it's horrible. But they whipped him and they scourged him. And then they take the crown of thorns and then a mock coronation they place it on our savior's head remember he has just been whipped possibly to within an inch of his life he had been beaten he had been scourged he had been punched and then they spit upon him agony upon agony and i don't believe for one moment that these soldiers were in any way gentle with our savior these soldiers were specially picked because of their brutality and they placed that crown of thorns on our Savior's head. You know, they would make sure that those thorns were well pushed down into his brow. 
And on top of that, they take the reed that he held and they beat upon it uh, to just to, to give agony upon agony, pain upon pain, and they beat that crown into his brow, into the tender parts of the temple, and perhaps even right down into his eyes. And it's here we see that the Lord Jesus is just bearing some of the torture they went through for us. Cruel punishment. Because of man's sin, he was there. He was there paying the debt of our sin. He was there paying the penalty of our sin. After the fall, God allowed thorns to come forth. And now, in another day, God planted, as it were, my curse on the head of his only begotten son, our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. And whether you're saved here today or unsaved here today, he paid the penalty of your sin. But you need to recognize that. You need to repent of your sin. You need to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior if you want to spend eternity with Christ. He paid the penalty. Just think of the misery. Just think of the pain. Think of the pain our Lord endured. Those thorns pressing into the tender part of his temple, into his brow, perhaps right down into his eyes, we don't know. Even pierce right through the skin. And yet, all this, the beating, the scourging, the thorns, was not to be compared with what our Lord suffered during those hours of darkness when God laid upon his only son the sin of the whole world. That's why he came to Calvary. Oh, the beating was terrible. The thorns were shocking and all the other things he went through, the humiliation, the ignominy, and all the things he endured was nothing to be compared with what he suffered during those hours of darkness when he paid the price of sin in his own body on the tree. Down would run the blood. The blood of our Savior, our Creator, our God. How dare we in these days complain about petty little things when our Savior went through so much? When he suffered so much? And they say, they stood there and they gazed upon him. Isaiah said his visage was so marred, more than any man. Psalm 22 says, they pierce my hands and my feet. They look and stare at me. No wonder Pilate says, behold the man. No wonder he's insinuating. Gaze upon the man. Look at the misery he's going through. Think of the extra pain he endured when they, they beat upon him with the reeds and drive that thorny crown down into his head. I don't know if you've ever had a splinter or, or if you've ever had something in your eye and you press upon it. Oh, the pain is exaggerated, isn't it? 
Can you imagine these thorns in your head, in your temples, and then they start beating upon it and beating upon it? Just to inflict more pain. As if our Savior had not gone through enough. They wanted to inflict more pain as they drove those thorns. And here we see the cruelty of man. How depraved man can become. Brother Bernie was telling us about some of the things that happens overseas to missionaries, to those who name the name of Christ, even young people in school being gunned down because they were Christians. And here we see the cruelty of man, how depraved they can become. But we also see the resolve of our Savior to go to the cross as our substitute. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set them free. He should have taken that reed and with the strength of omnipotence condemned them all into an early grave. He could have caused the ground to open up as he did in the days of Korah and swallow them up. But no. He bears all the misery and all the pain willingly. He despises what is going on but endures it all for you. And for me, the creator, being subjected to this by his own creation. A crown of agony on his head. But it was his heart that was aching with pain. The misery of the crown. And folks, at this Easter time, it's a timely reminder for us. Now, if you're not saved, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, the one who wore this crown of thorns, this one who went to the cross to bear your sins in his own body on the tree, rose from the dead that we might have eternal life, I pray that you might, as the Word of God says, repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved. The material of the crime, the making of the crime, the misery of the crime. Tonight we continue to look at this beautiful subject, and we look at the mockery of the crime, the meaning of the crime, the mystery of the crime, and the message of the crime. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again, we just give thee thanks for the opportunity of coming into thy house to open up thy word. And we do pray, Lord, that should there be one that does not know Christ as Savior, that even today they might make that decision for thee. We cannot guarantee another day. We cannot guarantee another breath. Lord, you're in control. As Pastor Gavin said, you can come at any time, even through this meeting. And so, our Father, we commit to thee all those that are unsaved, we commit to thee all those that are saved. May we be walking worthy of the vacation for which we're called. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We thank thee for this time in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen.